0: So you're a huge fan of Atlanta United,
1: and you want Dave to give you the latest insights to our
0: tactics. Pineda five in the back? Are you kidding me? Or maybe you can't f and believe we signed Don Dwyer, and you want to hear Mikey Dobbs rant about it. Well, you've come to the right place. I'm David Katz, and I'm Mike Dobbs, and this is, is the, the ATL on, on Fire podcast. podcast.
1: Everybody, welcome back to another episode of ATL on Fire, the podcast where we talk all things Atlanta United, and uh, here with uh, Dave Katz and Carmen Butler, and if you're not subscribed to the channel, find us on YouTube, ATL on Fire, hit the subscribe button, ring the bell, all your favorite podcast uh, places, we're there. Dave, uh, how are things going?
0: Good. Didn't we podcast last night? <laughs> uh, I feel, it does feel like
1: we... We went on a big lull and now look at us, attacking back. For, All right. For I the like listeners. it. I like it. Um, and yeah, to kick things off, you've been nice enough to uh, bring some red wine. So yeah, two nice bottles in the last couple of days here. What do we got? Yep. A little French wine.
0: It's French. It's a classic blend between Grenache and Syrah, is it? Let's see. Yes. Grenache, forty percent Grenache, sixty percent Syrah. Uh, Chateau Font Boreale. My French is terrible, so don't don't quote me on that. But very nice, 2019. Big it's very nice, classic French blend. Carmen, any complaints?
2: No complaints whatsoever about the wine you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> oh, always delicious. <laughs> all right, good. So <laughs> we got well, we were
0: starting out on a five foot. Here's to you all.
1: <laughs> um, but Carmen, you just got back from some soccer. Uh, fun out in Colorado, am I right?
2: I did. Flew back today from Denver. Went out there with my son to watch the U.S. Women's National Team play Saturday night. Very nice. And
1: how did we fare? I didn't. I didn't catch the game.
2: Yeah, we fared well. Well, you, well,
0: they did overlap with Atlanta United. Ah. I yeah. watched them back to back. Yeah, I, was <laughs> I recorded all, the U.S. I was
2: in the stands, like getting all your texts about the Toronto <laughs> game, and <laughs> yeah. so you're saying
1: I chose poorly. <laughs> <You> chose poorly. <laughs> it
2: sounded good at first, and I was like, oh, <sighs> well, but it was a good game. I'm I'm hopeful for this new kind of generation. Yeah. Uh, that we have. I know here. I'm
1: not too keyed in on a lot of the new players, but you guys were talking about. Uh, a tall player that we have. She's like over Made six Made her feet.
0: debut, right? Yeah, yeah,
2: scored in her debut. was her name? Taylor Klingick? Something like that. I was actually sitting, know. I was sitting next to her mom. Never heard of her. Oh, oh really? Yeah. And it was that's funny. awesome. She came up to the half line. Her mom just went crazy. She's like, Taylor! Taylor, go, Taylor. go in! I was like, don't look at her. Just don't look at her. Look ahead. But yeah, she scored in like the last, like in the 90th minute. Oh, that's so, awesome. But six-one tallest field player.
0: So how are we right. adjusting to life without Macario?
2: Uh, we looked okay. I definitely miss her. I definitely miss her. We had Ashley Hatch up there in the middle, but it was still good. I like their three up front with uh, Pew on one side and uh, Smith, Sophia Smith on the other, but Macario in the middle would be a lot better than Ashley Hatch. But Yeah,
0: so Macario and... Um... Uh, Macario played for Lyon, right? Mm-hmm. All the way and got them through to the Champions League final. But okay. she played not in the final. did she get injured right before the final, or did she play in the final? I
2: thought she played in the final. She played in I the final me. and
0: then, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, it I was right remember, at the yeah. very end. Yeah.
2: yeah, but she and her she ran, certainly
0: like, made though. a huge contribution in Iran. That's the other thing. Yeah, I was yeah, so, playing for Lyon.
2: Yeah, so it was a good time out there. I've seen more women's national team games with my son than I've seen with any other team, like yeah. the Hawks. Yeah. Atlanta United, like we travel around. Just That's a good them. decision, though. It is. I, better than because the haven't we won?
0: We haven't <laughs> lost in 112 consecutive home matches or it's, something it's like this. We a lot
2: of games. We had a few draws, a lot of draws in there, oh, but wow. we have not lost in a mm. very long time.
0: It's only like seven.
2: Is it really just? Yeah, seven? it's
0: like they're they're okay. like they're no like a hundred and five and seven. Fine, maybe <laughs> right. not a lot of draws. More draws than we should have had. Well, yeah, high standards.
1: <laughs> well, meanwhile, yeah, I had to uh jump through my hoops here in Atlanta.
0: I have some actual interesting um women's trivia that I, oh, so so there right. was a lot of um, <laughs> there was a lot of celebration of the anniversary of Title IX right and so I was shocked to see some of the women's statistics so um, let's see do you know how many um, youth soccer women they were playing at the time of Title IX how
2: many how many youth soccer women?
0: Yeah, how many women were playing at all age groups in youth soccer in the United States at the time that Title IX was enacted?
2: Oh, I don't even know.
1: And remind the listeners about Title IX.
0: So Title IX had nothing to do with sports per se, but it basically said that women had to be treated equally, um, and it... Eventually became applied to sports. And at the time, men's sports <laughs> had everything, and women's sports were really on the back corner. So they had to have equal numbers, equal resources, sort of. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that hasn't really always been the case. But anyway, do you know how many women were playing youth soccer in the United States at the time of Title IX, which is, I think, was 71, 72, whatever? Yeah,
2: what was yeah, it? Right? It's,
0: it's the anniversary. Yes, yeah, so 72.
1: Do, this is uh, whoever guesses. Uh, you go first, Carmen. I, I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess um, hundred thousand.
0: Okay.
2: I will go ninety-nine thousand to beat Mike's
0: guess. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is seven hundred.
2: Well, you're a, d- that can't a be lie. Seven hundred.
0: Seven hundred. You know how many college soccer programs there were at the time of Title Nine.
2: College soccer, okay.
0: How no, many colleges I mean, had a women's soccer team at the time of of IX?
1: Hey, look, I mean, I guess that's, you, you know, I'm, I'm buying what you're saying given... <laughs> My mom's story is about playing basketball, which she's the same height as me, by the way. (laughs) Um, But she was one of the few women that was allowed to go on both sides of the court, evidently. Oh. They didn't think you could go back and forth.
2: would tell this story. Yeah. How they were like one defense. Right. Yeah. Yeah, And so she
1: was called a rover back, evidently, which was like the one player that was allowed, the women player that was allowed to go on both sides of the court. Go ahead,
2: mama dog. Yeah. Okay. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sorry. Your question, though. How, how many, many teams? Is how it, many
0: colleges had a women's soccer team? How how many, U.S.
2: Go zero or two.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna go with one. There were actually thirteen. Yeah. Ah, okay. Okay, but now so, the question is: so how many? So how? Hold on. How how is it there were thirteen teams? Say there's
1: twenty on a roster each, oh. right? So that, that's already pushing help me with the math there
0: that's 250, 250 so ups. you're
1: saying there's there was only an, another like you know
0: one Four, out of three players playing high school soccer got a chance to play college soccer right. yes okay all right, all right. Okay. um you're, you're suspect
2: <laughs> these are the official statistics no, I'm, I'm um <laughs> so now
0: the question is so there were 700 playing youth soccer how many they're playing now Ooh. oh gosh Well,
1: I, you know, I think I used to know, like, in, in the U.S., like, how many people played soccer. I just looked this up.
2: Man, oh, really? Gonna,
1: yeah. It was part of my ATL on fire trivia, I think. Um, I don't know. Carmen, help me out here.
2: Yeah, I'm scared I'm going to overshoot by a lot since, like, all the women I know play soccer. Yeah. Uh, yeah, fair. <laughs> <laughs> like, ooh. Fair. So I'm going to try that. It's more than it. 700. I'll tell you that. <laughs> That's the truth. Let's go one. No, let's not say one million.
1: I think that's
0: a good guess. One
2: million.
0: One million? Women. One million? I think, I think two million. million. Well, so you've overestimated a little bit. It's only half a million. Half okay. a million. That's But, okay. but well, I mean, it's, it's a little under f- half a million, I believe. But we went from 700 to <laughs> half a million. And you know how many college women's soccer programs there are now?
1: Oh, boy. Lord.
2: Ugh. Goodness. Again,
0: there were 13 at the time of title title yeah. nine. Let's go with 1000.
2: The 500.
0: It's just over 1000.
2: Oh, well.
0: So, really good. But yeah, so, I mean, if you want to see the impact yeah. and women's soccer is the number one thing that has grown after Title 9. So the by far the number one thing that's grown after Title 9. It's not the most participated sport from women is still basketball and volleyball, mm-hmm. and track is still ahead of it, but uh, it's the fourth most um, participated sport. But percentage wise, it has had by far the most meteor uh, growth during that time.
2: <laughs> all right, yay, title nine.
1: Yeah. yeah, thank to, goodness. To all the <laughs> to all the Roverbacks, yeah.
0: So <laughs> you want to know why the U.S. has won? You know, hasn't lost in 112 matches. It's because of title nine. All right.
1: Well, while Carmen was watching a winning game, three nothing, Dave, you and I were tuned into Atlanta United on Saturday night. I think there was a was it a seven or eight o'clock kickoff, can't remember. We were up in Toronto, uh, a lovely field up there. Yep. And uh things didn't go so well. Uh, you know, well, first off uh, I had to jump through the hoops of getting on my VPN to <laughs> deal with the ESPN plus blackout. Okay. Um, that worked out. Was able to watch the game. But uh, you know, Overall, the game, you know, it was one of those games, too, I just didn't get that emotionally involved in, which is strange. Usually I'm yelling at the what? TV. That's not like you. I know. I just kind of relaxed <laughs> and just enjoyed the game without getting stressed. And, you know, clearly, you know, Toronto out of the gates was, you know, a little bit better than Atlanta United, if not a lot better. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Araujo turned it on there towards the end of the, the first half, and that was fun to see. Uh, and then, clearly, I felt like Toronto – could have closed us um, even more than they did uh, towards the end of that game. And it would just uh, – was tough too because we started off the game with Lennon, um, you know, with an MCL tear in warm-ups. I guess he was over on the edge and slipped on some piece of plastic or something on the edge of the field and Jeez. did his knee so, you know –
0: least it's not a tear though right it's a sprain sprain is a weird sprain but but i don't know eight weeks
1: means two months plus before you know three months before we'd see him so he's pretty much out almost the entire season i mean um which adds to the 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 growing list of people who are you know mia right um but we had it was aiden mcfadden who was yeah, put putting and... feet in the fire to jump in at right back. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, you know, required uh, Caleb Wiley to be on the left back. So a lot of youth right. on our fullback side of things. And uh, George. And George Campbell, who's been, you know, consistently plugging in. But um, also really young. Also really young, taking his lumps. And then Franco, who I think is suffering from that, um, you know, may- maybe looking poor himself due <laughs> to – uh, maybe trying to figure out how he, he best plays with, you know, a lot of changes in the back too. So he doesn't have a lot of consistency around them, even if those players are playing well. So uh, that, that's tough on him. So But
0: it was Franco who got beaten on the first goal badly. Oh, they it, did. It, it. it it was bad, but I have a, I have a break have a
1: breakdown of that in my analysis. And yes, he okay. he is at fault uh, as part of that in the in the analysis. George Campbell George Campbell is the number one link of where that started to go wrong. But that's just my opinion. But we'll get to that. Um, <laughs> right. So, uh, what else? What was what were your thoughts on the game?
0: Um, um we were terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we just were not good, and um. With three out of the four of Mama available. Um, Toronto, um, who was in last place at the time, is no longer in last place because they beat us. Um, And then really struggling as a team, I mean, it's a poor result. Yeah, Especially... I mean, you know, it's... Again, uh, you know, losing, you know, whatever. There are moments... There are times when you can play well and lose, of course, but... Um the way we looked, I mean, we just didn't look like we ever had a chance of winning that game. Right. It was yeah, it was
1: only kind of special play from people like Araujo that, right. that kept us in, in there. Um and so yeah, just you know, we can bring up the highlight here on the first goal, which I don't know how many minutes into the game it was, but it's fairly early on, I believe. And yeah, as we as we get Very to it if, if you want to pause it here, um Well, what I, what I broke down from this was you can see George Campbell is cutting across the middle of the field to cover somebody who's just kind of going horizontally, you know, probably 25 yards uh, across the middle of the field. Campbell is on him. So I don't understand why he decides to leave him, but he gives him a bump here. And the first thing George Campbell does is goes, oh, I'm out of my central, central mid position. Let me, you know not keep pressure on the player that I'm closest to and drop back into the center mid. When he does that, um, there's, you know, two players near him that he takes one on, and then Franco um, should have stepped on the other other one. And so
0: Well one of the thing I think you have to realize is that prior to this highlight clip, right, it's George Campbell who gives away the ball coming out of okay. the back, right? It's a turnover situation. And I think that's really important because you'll see so that, that creates two things. So first, as you see in this picture, Caleb Wiley, who's 26, down at the bottom of the screen, um, is way far up the field because he was running up to get the ball, right? So he's out of the picture, and it's actually, I think it's 20, which is Emerson Heinemann, who's actually covering in behind him. So George Campbell panics after giving the ball away and is like, I'm going to go get it back, right? <laughs> right? So it goes flying recklessly into the midfield, yeah. I think, didn't really realize where he was going. He was just trying to make up for his mistake and gets there. And as you point out, it's like, mm,
1: where am I? Yeah. But you know, at that point you're committed And so I don't know why he didn't just, you know, his other, you know, you're professional, your teammates are going to make up for the space that you've left. He doesn't do that. And then he drops back and unnecessarily makes everybody kind of read, which included Franco. Like, where do I go? And then Franco let his guy drift forward towards the ball, which created like about 15 to 20 yards of space. Then he, you know, and then, you know, our outside backs like do their job I mean, they hold the guys out, but they slot the ball into the guy in front of Franco who is able to just turn, put Frank on his back heels, make him look silly. He did a poor job mm-hmm. of defending even at that point. But it's yep. because of the gap that Franco allowed with his guy drifting forward that allowed him to, you know, attack Franco and, and shoot it in the near post. And I also wonder like if Goose is in there, like definitely not Rios' fault, but, you know. Get a yeah, get a palm to great. it. You know, not that great. So here you go. He bumps him. Then he just jogs back to the center. But had he pressed there, it would have mm-hmm. changed changed what's happening now. And now that guy right there, if you watched a second ago, the guy who just scored was right next to Franco when, when George Campbell was dropping back. And I don't know why sorry, Franco yeah. just stayed there and let him kind of drop back in.
0: Well, one thing is true in defending is – if you make a decision, whether or not it's a good decision or a bad decision, you have to stick with it because everybody else can, as you pointed out, can read off of that and can yeah. help make up for the decision. But if you are indecisive, if you make a half decision, everybody else has corrected for your decision and then they don't know what to do. They're going forward, back, they're in between, mm-hmm. and then you're really dead. Yeah. So I agree with you completely that George Campbell. Once he goes there, whether it's a yeah. good decision or not, he has got to continue to pursue that. Yeah, so I felt um, like
1: he kind of – yeah, he hustled back, but then, you know, I didn't think there was a need for him to give up on the play, drop back, and then kind of confuse the rest of the defense on where they should sort things out. So, But
0: at the end of the day, it's the exact same thing that's been happening yeah. to us. So we give the, way, give the ball away coming out of the back, um, and I thought Campbell did that way too often – Um, prior to the period of time just we had a couple number of games off and he right back at it here Um, and today in in this game he gave the ball away a lot Um, and when you give the ball away out of the back and you have your outside backs bombing forward you're really vulnerable as we pointed out last game as we pointed out this game it's the same goal yeah
1: now this is just hey not a lot of positives but Rios makes a good save on this play here um which uh, goes far post, so you can hit play on this one. Kudos to him on on coming up with a
0: nice palm on this one far far post there. Um, and then I think actually I, I like to I'd like to say that was a great real save, but it wasn't. It actually on the reverse angle, it was Franca who blocked it wide. Oh, and, you're right. I remember the commentary. Novo yeah. never touched it. Uh, it, okay. it looks on this clip like he did. It but sure he does.
1: Did. Yeah. So on the replay, I. I uh, it's, but, okay, now I'll go to one where I so said there's a little bit of a positive. Just, this is where Araujo uh, starts to get nasty in the game. If you jump to minute, minute three, <laughs> this is just a short corner kick where it's played into Araujo, and he, he just kind of goes up the, the uh, uh, goal line here. And just watch this move he puts on this guy. <laughs> Whoop. I mean, yes. <laughs> just Ridiculous. Uh, and then you can let it run here after this this play. This, is, this next one is where we get our goal. We win it in midfield here.
0: I have to say, if you pause it one second, uh, you know, that last one, the guy who blocks that right on the line is Michael Bradley, and... God bless him. You know, Michael Bradley is old and is slow and is really showing it, but he really knows where the danger is all the time. And five or six times in this game, he ended up being the guy in the six yard blocks that, that broke up our, our last, you know, play that would have led to a goal. Um, that is a critical skill, being able to know where the danger is and to snuff it out. And he can still do it despite the fact that he's, what, like 36 don't or give, something. Don't
1: give him any credit. He's part say. of our World Cup lo- uh, exactly. qualifying loss. Do
2: we still boo him? We do. Okay, I just wanted to. Yeah.
1: Check. <laughs> and uh, anyway, this check this goal up at Eruja, by the way. This is just clinical and just gets filthy? slotted. Filthy. Absolutely <laughs> filthy. This little rollover skill that he has, whoop, whoop, Outside of the foot, that rollover right there on that with that much speed is—it's the
0: same thing they did last game. The yeah. rollover step that you were pointing it, out—it yeah, just—it it just puts, it puts the, everybody off balance.
1: Every the defender, the goalkeeper, keeper end up just getting flat-footed.
0: It's absolutely magic. You can't teach that.
1: And really, that's the last good thing I have to say. But
2: <laughs>
1: um, if we want to look at um, <laughs> at, uh, I guess at four thirty-nine. I wanted to look at the corner kicks in this game. Uh, there's two of them, just okay. to get. Yeah, you know, we've been breaking corner kicks
0: down. Right. We didn't give up a corner kick goal. Yeah. And we, so. we we didn't. There's <laughs> a positive.
1: We. I think we should have on on the sec- the second one. We'll analyze. So at five or sorry, four thirty nine. If we freeze it right there, um, yeah. So you might have to play it a little yeah, earlier, and then just let it run to.
0: um deposit. So yeah. Just to, to set the scene for us, Mikey Dobbs.
1: Well, I felt like there was a lot more man-v-man man here. Um, what's It's your, what's not man-v-man.
0: What's, man. what's your analysis you here? You suffer from a counting problem. Okay. So if it's man-v-man, man, how many do they have in the box? It's easy to count because now they have red shirts.
1: Yeah. I, I, how I, many? I, 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 just him and analyze the thing. That made me count. I've looked at right, it. I, I'll do it. i i I see a guy marking the guy on well, the near post. I see a guy marking the guy in the center of the six, at the back of the six, and at the top of the six.
0: I see something different. So f- I see two players sort of pseudo-marking the guy at the front post. No, It's unclear is, which one of no, them is marking the, them. No, it's
1: not. The guy who's standing right in front of him is marking
0: them. <laughs> I see... Three Toronto players in our six-yard box, and four if you include the guy just outside the box. If you count Atlanta United players, I see one, two, three, four, five, six, okay. seven, eight. So it's eight v. four.
1: I, I see. I dis- How is
0: that man marking? Caleb,
1: Caleb Wiley is marking, marking the guy at the back post. I don't know who is, is in the six box on, box on the front. He's marking that guy. Okay. Is there anybody else hiding in there on the near post? I don't think so. Then on the top of the six, uh, whoever that is, is marking the guy in front of him. And I would say, yes, it's somewhat unclear who's marking the guy who's kind of at the central inside the six box. But I think that becomes clear here that it's the guy that's slightly behind him is bumping him. So I think it is intended to be man v. man versus the four people that are in the six box. To answer your question, Dave,
0: (laughs) that's what I I see. I think it's just... Stuff as many Atlanta United players in their six and hope that it's enough to block them from scoring. That's all that is. No.
1: So I disagree because Caleb Wiley and the guy who's marking the guy that drifts back here that ends up, both of them almost get their head on the ball. They have a man. And, and again, it's b- b- because of what we said. They get bumped even though that they get to the ball first. And because it's man v man it stops them from having a clear run on they are
0: trying to to man mark out of the zone right so that's what you're saying is that they're trying even though we have eight and they have four there is a person responsible for marking them
1: then that is man v man marking if 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 in the zone you've decided hey i've got this guy that's man v man marking
0: but why do we need eight plus a goalkeeper which is really nine versus their four
1: because we keep getting scored
0: on the <laughs> <on> corner kicks. <laughs> so we need as
1: many people in there as possible. <laughs> two on one. It, um, it's really... So any, um, anyway, if you, if you let this play, right? Yeah, the, yeah,
0: So by the way, so if you count the eight plus the goalkeeper is nine, there's two guys who are at the top of the box accounting for the two players who they have just outside the box. Nine plus two is 11. How many players do we play with, Mikey Dobbs? There's eleven total players in okay. the field. So when ten field players, Dave, when the mishmash of man marking and zone or whatever wins the ball, who are we going to play to?
1: Joseph Martinez. <laughs> He's in the box. <laughs> He's in the box. He's in the six yard box. It doesn't matter. Still has to be Joseph. I'm answering your question. Has to be Joseph Martinez. He's got to get there, Dave.
0: So he has yeah. to get, he has to win the ball at the six yard box on the front post. And he's got to suddenly get out to 35 or 40 so we have an outlet to him. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Good, Good point. No, but I mean, my point is that so, so one thing that you can do if you're clever. Is you can really take advantage of a defensive corner and you can start counters. You can reach open. A lot yeah. of times they have players push forward. You saw it early in the season when we yeah. gave up the worst counterattack goal ever off a corner, but that happens. Yeah. But in this system, we have now made it so poor that we now have to play nine players inside our six-yard box. I guess technically one player is one step outside the six-yard box, but I'm going to go with nine players. And that means you can't have a counter, period. There's no possibility of it. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. This is one theme that I want to come back to when we're talking about it is when you have a formation, whatever you're doing defensively, Right. That also has at some level to be the start of your offense. Right. And so is this as a start for your offense is particularly poor because there's nobody on offense. Yeah.
1: So anyway, we get So what happens. Well, We at least bump the people who are trying to head it. And so they don't have a a free they don't have a free run on goal. Okay, but I'm going to point out. So who headed that ball? Was it a Toronto player
0: or was it an Atlanta United player?
1: Uh, it was a Toronto player because w- Wiley was in a bad kind of defensive position behind him in the beginning. So with. you're
0: going to blame Wiley when we had a
1: nine before advantage? Yes, because he's still not marking <laughs> properly if oh, the guy who got goodness. there and headed it. He Good. should he should have been on the inside of him with his hips turned oh. and blocked him from ever getting I don't getting
0: disagree, there. but.
1: Well, you asked why. I'm just letting you know. It's. It's shambolic. It doesn't folks. mean you're not correct on <laughs> it's absolutely
0: the whole terrible. thing,
1: you know, being ridiculous. So there we go. <laughs> now we want to go to even a worse corner kick than they that. We might as well set you, up
0: a wall on you, our you goal wanna, line. You want to even see a worse <laughs>
1: corner kick go to five, oh, five, eighteen. There's one that's worse. Yeah, and you have to freeze it right now. Okay. All right. This is what we saw early on in the season, Dave, where look at 47 or whatever number that is. It's not even a soccer number. And then the other guy that's standing by the referee, nobody's accounting for either one of these guys. And so all it takes is a ball to come off of one of our players' heads or their players' heads. And that's exactly what happens. And 47 is, the, or somebody's there to at least have a swing at goal.
0: So they have five players inside the penalty spot, and they have three players outside the box. So There's only five players actually in the whole box. Yeah yeah right and again we have one two three four five six seven eight plus a goalkeeper we have nine we have nine marking their five yeah and what is so uh, you would think we would win the ball carmen and what's better nine or five and why <laughs> and why is it
1: that nobody is accounting for 47 How
0: is someone open when we have nine versus five i mean <laughs> Exactly. I mean, exactly. So this one,
1: this is the one that makes me want to curse, Mikey. It makes me want to curse too. Like F
0: and A, man. This is
1: like this is what happens on every single play that we've gotten scored on this year. Watch this. Let's hit the play button. It skips off somebody's head, and then oh, the guy standing there. Oh, hi. Let me just go ahead and just put it. You know, anything could have happened. Wide open. Anything could have happened. Yep. If he knew how to strike a ball. Yeah,
0: it didn't quite fall to him directly, yeah. so they were able to scramble around and get some pressure yeah. on him. But if it falls to him directly, he le- yeah. you know, levels it back in the yeah. goal.
1: So there we go. And then if we want to watch the goal that they scored against us. So it's, this,
0: it's Despite you arguing with me. Yeah. You'd completely agree that our oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) defending is.
1: I 100% agree with you on the entire concept of everything you're saying. I'm just saying, like, (sighs) you asked me whose fault it was in that particular case. It was, you know, the guy who's not doing his individual job. Now is this is the system broken? Clearly, clearly, and I think that goal just. I mean, if you really watch that people, it's it is laughable, and then. We let them uh,
0: score on us. Well, we didn't give up a goal. It's just a, it's just the defending. Yeah, we yeah. actually didn't give up a goal for once.
1: So there we go. I don't know. What do you think of that?
0: All what, right, what, let's go back to the setup. This is their actual game-winning goal on the 77th Mar- minute. Go back to the beginning of this clip.
1: It's kind of hard to see what led to Moreno having to stretch and poke the ball across the top of the 18, and then guy just strikes it near post, and you know Rios just screened a little. Bit. Was it,
0: it was a corner or a free kick? There 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 was, <laughs> there was
1: don't know. This is where the highlights let us down.
0: Um, One thing I will say, though, is um, The the entire game, the spot right in front of the back four where he scores from on that goal right there, it was open the entire game. And in that case, so if you go back right before he's about to kick it and just freeze it. On the actual goal? Yeah. Just go back a little bit further. And wait.
1: Yeah, so I don't know if this was a corner kick now.
0: And freeze it. Ah. Okay. So if you look at atlanta United as defending, right? So the guy who's going to try to put pressure on the ball is Emerson Hyman at twenty. Right? So the guy who is supposed to be so in a defensive setup, right, there's a there's always you have the four or five, or whatever you're playing in the back are gonna be, you know, along a line, holding a line and offsides And then there's that gap right in front of them, right? So, classically, the defensive midfielder is responsible for that, right? So, who is the defensive midfielder on our team, Mikey Dabbs? Ibarra. Ibarra. So, where is Ibarra on this play? Uh, Can't really see. I can tell you who he is.
1: Directly behind Hyman?
0: Yeah, he's the one standing right behind the penalty spot. Yeah. Right? And what he has done is he has gone in to... Uh, Mark two open players <laughs> because Campbell and Franco are over, right? And yeah. so he has had to kick take up that slap. And you've left Heineman who is to be honest not a great defender there, right? And so Heineman, I, I mean, don't know what he was doing just prior to that moment, but um I, he's I, not close yeah. enough to close it I, down. I
1: feel like the air happened before kind of this highlight to really sure be no with... I'm
0: not blaming it on a bar of one yeah. iota I'm just saying this has been, this was a problem this entire game that whatever was going on in the back four was so chaotic, Ibarra was often covering in there yeah. and leaving that spot open. Okay. That spot
1: was open the entire game. I wouldn't say that Hyman really did his best effort to get in front of that <laughs> either. I mean, wow. he certainly was... He he's not
0: a good defender. Turned his back, but come on,
1: sacrifice a little.
0: But he's not... So, that's not yeah. the role. I mean, we're yeah. going to get to it Whatever. when we, we analyze, but that's not Put what your body he's in for the to team. do.
1: Just design or no design.
0: Mm-hmm. All
1: right. All right. So, um, that's that
0: game. Uh, I was letting you take the lead. You, so, so, Campbell... I'm going to go with our, our popular phrase from last podcast. Campbell, in the end, was a net zero. Uh, because he gave away the ball badly on the first goal. And in fact, I think, um, my recollection, um, I think it the way they got to that second goal was originally a Campbell giveaway anyway. He gave away the ball multiple times. But he did also steal the ball and create the goal for Araujo.
1: Okay, that was him who... Uh- He was the one who stepped up in front and
0: gave it to Araujo, right? And I think, uh, as we're going to get to in a a minute when we do some step-back analysis, I think what you want to realize, actually, so the goals in this game for us and the goal that we gave up all came from balls given away in the out of the back and it was basically one or two passes to create the goal. And that has been true. I don't know if you remember the previous game when we played at home and we won against Miami, we pressured up against the throw in, they gave away the ball, we scored, right? That was the key goal, the game winner. My point being that one of the things that you're going to see and one of the things that happens in all soccer now is many, many, many of the goals come from some kind of giveaway in the back where it's really only one or two passes to get to a scoring opportunity. Yeah.
1: So Dave, this is from your your agenda item. You wanted to break down the strengths and weaknesses of the roster.
0: Right. But I can I start with a few numbers? Yeah.
1: So You know me, I'm not good with numbers. You're asking me to keep <laughs> the I count want to set the, the table. I I'm really like, no want
0: thanks. obviously, you know, my point. Uh, there's no doubt at this point, particularly after this loss was deflating. And at this point in the season, I don't think any Atlanta United fan can be happy about where we are. Right. So I wanted to, we want to step back and go through that, but I wanted to start by saying really, where are we? Right. So we're in a three-way tie for fifth in goals scored. Okay. In the league. Mm -hmm. um. We are um, sixth place in goals against. Okay, we are fifth in goal differential at plus one. Okay. okay, and we are in tenth place positionally. Yep. So this is just, just this is just the facts, ma'am. Okay. Um. So that's what I wanted to point out is um. That's where we're at. Yeah. And I
1: think we're four points. Off of a playoff position. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's a what do we got? Nineteen and it's twenty three to yeah. the seventh, seventh place. Spot. And we're
0: not quite halfway. I think we're we're one or two below halfway. Yeah. Um, anyway, so we're we're basically halfway. Yeah. I'm pretty deflated. Me too, to say the least. It's tough.
1: <laughs> it's tough times to be doing an Atlanta United podcast. Let's just say. But <laughs> so, here we are. Sticking to
0: it. Yeah. What I wanted to do is I really wanted to step back and say, all right, you know, it's been disappointing. We're not where we want to be. So what's the problem, right? We talk a lot about analyzing games and particular situations. But if we just step back, what I wanted to talk about was what are our strengths? What are our weaknesses? And how could they potentially be fixed either tactically or through buying and selling players, getting different players? Um, What would be the fix? So I want to start by asking you and Carmen, what is our strength and what is our weakness?
1: Well, yeah, let's get into that. And then let's also look at the reality too, which is with the Brooks Lennon injury, based on people are pretty much going to be out the entire season. We got Brooks Lennon.
0: Oh yeah. So let's go over the injuries.
1: Gutman, Miles, Alonzo, Guzan, and Dylan, who we wouldn't have seen play anyway. But, you know, those are pretty much like, we're not going to see those people likely unless we make the playoffs. We might see Ronald Hernandez. So and Brooks Lennon, can let's
0: go a little Gutmann. bit. You went a little bit fast. Can you go yeah. through a little slower one more time?
1: Brooks Lennon, uh, who was just injured is out for at least two months. I, right. I think that's safe to say Ronald Hernandez, probably safe to say he's out for at least three more months. Let's call it the season uh, at this point, unless you disagree. Gutman's got a collarbone injury. He's, he was out. He's probably out another two or three months best you know best case scenario he's he called out the season then miles Alon- i think
0: gutman might be back a little earlier than that but yeah
1: collarbone yeah, i don't know he's gonna it's gonna be a while
0: mm-hmm.
1: right, but you might be right and then miles alonzo and guzan are all out, gone for out the for the season for sure mm-hmm. and then you know let's not forget we missed significant time from joseph during the first half of the season significant time from era Uja, who we're starting to see the brilliance of uh Sosa uh mystery still. Um and Ibarra was injured for a stint too. And now we're going through an Almada red card suspension moment of what he's how many right. more how many more games does he have to miss? One or two?
0: Uh he has to miss one more and then he comes back for so he's gonna miss the first New York game and be back for the second. So
1: N- NYFC he gets to play against? I think that's the set that's the second uh-huh. of the next two, right?
0: Mm uh-huh. hmm. Okay. So we're playing, we were back, but then we went back, we're going up. We play Thursday night, Uh, so we're coming to you on Tuesday night. So on Thursday night, we uh, play up in New York, and then we're staying up in New York to play uh, against New York City FC um, on the weekend.
1: So I apologize. Now go back to your question, which is, as far as breaking down strengths and weaknesses, you want to go player by player. Well, just since you brought
0: up the injuries, I, I, let's let's throw out something else first, right? So, do you? So, Pineda, if he might be here, and I'm channeling my Pineda, might say, "Look, you know, Joseph missed sixty percent of the season. Araujo forty eight percent of the season. Sosa forty six percent of the season. Abarro thirty five percent. And now Miles, Alonzo." guzan lennon hernandez all out for the year and that's that's the reason why we're in 10th place do you buy it are you buying or selling i'm selling okay i agree
1: yeah and i mean i'm selling for basic things that we just talked about um you know that are are very fixable which is don't give up goals that are stupid um and i feel Mm -hmm. like with the talent that we still are now gelling up front with Almada, Moreno, Araujo, Martinez healthy. We got Hyman back, you know, Josetu, uh, Ibarra playing solid enough. You know, I feel like that core that's in the center and up front have enough talent if we don't blunder it in the back, which is just play basic defense. To your point, what we talk about all the time, stop bombing up. Play very disciplined defense on the back and let those guys do everything else.
0: Um, okay, he, so so this Toronto game is actually, I think, a pretty classic example of the season. So we had three of the four are Mama available, and we've mostly had that. Yeah. We've never really had all four, but we've had three out of the four. We've had, this was particularly bad, egregious defended, uh, injuries in the back four. Yeah. We've had less typically but we we rarely have had Gutman, um Franco Robinson and either Lennon or Hernandez as our starting back four. We've right. rarely had that. Um and then in the midfield, we've had most of our midfield, even defensive midfield, we've had Abara mm-hmm. and uh too, and Heineman. Mostly we've had two of those guys but we haven't had the third Sosa available. So it that lineup was pretty Typical for what we've yeah. had, which is most of our midfield, but not all. Three of our four top players in the top, and then a couple of our better defenders, but not our whole back line. So yeah. the question is, do you think, just a priori, is that good enough to have a better record? Is that yeah. good enough to have won the Toronto game?
1: Yeah, I think we should have won. Like there's games like that we should have won. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of those draws that we had. I think could have been wins. Um, and again, it's it's the simple goals that we're giving up is just the math there that you went through that we could change the goal differential quite a bit if we did some simple things defensively.
0: Okay, so now I'm going to ask another question. So I'm going to give you the starting lineup from 2018 when we won the MLS Cup. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say buy or sell... Um, do you think that the team that we had in general, like a Toronto being an example of that, maybe if you include a little bit better on the back line, is better or worse? So... Oh, wait, the, you're, you're saying the Atlanta United
1: 2018 team that...
0: That the, won the title. That won
1: the title in the final of the MLS Cup yep. versus the Atlanta United lineup that we had, say, in the Toronto game.
0: Correct. Okay, So that team had Martinez... Obviously, this yeah. team has Martinez. Um, the other starter up top was Al mm-hmm. Okay. And Al Marone played on one side. Gressel played on the other side. Um, and Nogby played through the middle. Yeah. In the final, they started with two defensive midfielders, Lorenowitz and Remedy. Mm-hmm. And then the back four was Garza it was Parkhurst, it was LGP, and it was Escobar, Escobar with yeah. Guzon and goal. Yep. So if you start Martinez versus Martinez. Well, Martinez of old is better, obviously. Right. So you'd have to say 2018 Martinez, better. Yep. Right? So then you would say Almiron, you'd put him against maybe the best attacker who we have I think. let's say Almiron versus Araujo.
1: I mean... Almiron versus Araujo, you got to go with Miggy. I mean,
0: mm-hmm. but Araujo's, yeah, it's certainly a,
1: certainly not shabby.
0: Okay. And then the other two, we'll go two versus two, right? So it was Gressel and Nogby versus um, Moreno um, and, um, in this case, Heinemann.
1: Well, I, I obviously, Nogby's better than Heinemann. Mm hmm. And, I will take Moreno over Gressel.
0: Okay. Um, And then defensive midfield, they had Remedy, Lorenowitz. We have just... um, um, Ibarra. Ibarra. Uh, Hazetu wasn't in the starting line of it. So So the midfield in general. So the forwards for that team were sort of Martinez and Almiron, if you will and we, the, the equivalent of that would be Martinez and Araujo. The midfield three of that team was Nogby and Gressel, um, and then one of the defensive players. So let's say um, Remedy. So Nogby, Remedy, and Gressel yeah. versus Moreno.
1: Yeah. So I, I would take Remedy over Ibarra.
0: Yeah. Moreno versus, let's say, Nogby.
1: Yeah, Nogby.
0: Okay. And... Um, uh, who do we get? See, I would
1: like to throw Almada in, even though he didn't play against Toronto. I think that's yeah. a, that's. We a, haven't
0: had all four, so a, I was trying to. So, so I if,
1: yeah, I know, but if I was going to match like Miggy versus Almada, like mm-hmm. that one actually gives me a little pause. Mm-hmm. Actually, I would go Miggy, and sure, then in but... the back
0: line, so it was Garza, Parkhurst, LGP, and. Um, Escobar, and let's not go with Toronto because it's particularly depleted, but let's say it was not the full line. Let's say it was Guzon, um, Campbell, um, it's pretty safe to Franco say, like, and the know.
1: entire 2018 squad is better.
0: Yes, I agree. So but let's just kind of get there, right? Yeah, okay, but how much better? A lot better?
1: No, or like, miles yeah. better, or no, like uh, I, I think a perfect example is um, Greg Garza, right, versus Mm. even a Caleb Wiley. Mm. Like, if you would have slapped Wiley in that team with the momentum, the confidence, attitude, and the coaching, I think you'd see a different Caleb Wiley as well. Um,
0: Okay, let's let's do it a a slightly different way. So what if you said, all right, this team at full strength versus that team at full strength. So Martinez versus Martinez, the old Martinez gets a win, right? Then you have Almiron versus Araujo. Or actually, yeah. you say Almiron versus Almada would be the guy. Yeah, I think that's... Right, I think Almiron wins slightly, yeah, but yeah. Almada is pretty good. Yeah. Right? Then you say Gressel versus Araujo. Yeah, no-brainer. Araujo. Araujo is better. You say Nogby versus Moreno. I Nagby
1: was fantastic that year. you got to give him the nod. Yeah,
0: slightly, but Moreno is still no. phenomenal. A lot of
1: people are Moreno haters, though.
0: And then you say in the, they had two defensive midfielders, so if you match that up, um, we would say um, Sosa versus Lorenowitz. Yeah, Sosa all day. <laughs> Sosa, yeah. Miles. And then um, Remedy versus Zabara. Pretty similar. Similar. And then the back line, you would say Ibarra. Garza versus Gutman. Uh, very similar, similar, almost like identical. Like, yeah, very similar. Yep. Escobar versus Lennon or Hernandez.
1: I mean, Escobar, say was, Lenin. Es- Escobar was better that year.
0: That year? Yeah, yeah, I think so. But, but not
1: a huge yeah, thing. But he was, he was just. And then the center back,
0: batting. let's say Robinson and Franco versus LGP and Parkhurst. Uh, yeah. I mean, the current squad. Yeah, and then goalkeeper would be Guzon versus Guzon. Uh, and he would take Guzon 2018 versus Guzon this year before he got hurt. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But if you go player for player in our best
1: team... The current, what should be starting squad has a little bit of the
0: edge. Okay, so that team obviously blew it at Toronto on the last day, the 2018 team and didn't win the supporter shield. They went on to win the title, but they were second in the league. Yeah. This team is 10th and you might say all oh, the injuries, the injuries, but that team also had injuries. Garza was gone. A lot of party. El Marone was gone for a large part of the year. I mean, there were all kinds yeah. of injuries on that team too. Right Maybe not quite as bad as what we've had here, but yeah. there was all kinds of injuries. so it wasn't that team they yeah. were lucky well, because when they got to the playoff stretch, everybody yeah, was healthy. I, but
1: I, I will say though, with the, the amount of almost almost season ending injuries like the idea of rotation and consistency of this 2022 team versus 2018 is a harder thing for the coach to plan right I, mean, I don't know right I mean I would think so if you're trying to think through getting people's legs fresh as you look down, down the line of games, right? It's, it's a, it's a tough chess match for Pineda to at least think through those. I things. would
0: say this team, our
1: bench is pretty weak at this point.
0: Well, I would say it is at this point because so many of the bench players yeah. are starting, but I think this bench is way stronger than the 2018 team well if i mean theoretically if we had all those people but i mean just starting like with everybody healthy this bench is way better Uh, uh, so we are much more built to withstand injuries than that team because
1: our bench are now the starters and there's almost no one on the bench
0: right that i want to see on the field right so we have Ibarra, for example, who probably wouldn't be starting. Sosa would be starting, and yet Ibarra's pretty good. And you just argued is basically as good as Remedy, who was the starter. Yeah, right? Um, and we could do a lot of that. Yeah. Right, I mean the backup. They only had one really strong backup. They had two strong backups on that team. One was Tito B. Alba, and the other one was Barco. But yeah. Barco never really played that whole season, so it's a little hard to say. Yeah. The um, only,
1: there's one player that I really like that's on the that was on the bench for the Toronto game. Which is who? Who's that? too? Mm-hmm. The yeah. rest are.
0: OK, the, so,
1: the rest are at best C minus players.
0: OK, so, yeah, I agree. Once once we have I mean, and this is true of all MLS teams, yeah. uh, most MLS teams, once you get beyond the starting lineup, it's really weak. Ours, once you get beyond the bench players, the second bench player is really weak, but that's still pretty good. OK, so now let's just step back. Forget the comparison. My point of doing all that exercise was to say that, look, this squad overall is every bit as good as the winning side. Right, we just we just went through that. So then the question is: All right, this squad. What are the squad's strengths and weaknesses?
1: Um. So let me start out of the back. And and by squad, do you mean who we have right now?
0: Yeah, I'm not. I'm not like, even saying. Let's start with the individual players. But what is the strength? Is it attacking? Is it defending? Is it midfield? But, Whatever. But,
1: but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. We, I think we have to start with who we have. So I think we've got to look at the Toronto team. And okay, the, and that's the, fine. Throw the Toronto team, yeah. team in, sure. right? And then assume Almada's would have been available yep. for it and assume... Who's, I agree. Uh, who's that let's too?
0: start with our composite version of this season, right. which is not 100%.
1: Right. So out of the back, right? Um, the, the center backs, right? George Campbell is a strong uh, physical player but isn't reading the game great. Um, Franco, I think can be a good reader of the game. So
0: would you say our center backs are excellent, mediocre, terrible?
1: uh, They're mediocre right now. I'd agree. But I think they're mediocre. And they could be solid if there was consistency and a –
0: but and, before and, we go through all the things you want to say, I just want to get a read on what okay. you think is our strength. So you would say our center backs are solid, medium, not a strength, not really a weakness, but somewhere in between. What about our outside backs?
1: Outside backs right now are serviceable. So I actually have it written down. You have a four-point scale here, Dave. Okay. So let me just go straight out of the back. So I've got either excellent, um, good, or solid um, – oh, sorry. We've got excellent – Strong, uh, okay, and poor. Okay. Let's use those as the... So our outside backs are what? Outside backs are... I I think you could throw um, Caleb Wiley, McFadden, Alex Dijon could be an outside back, I guess, but it can also be a center back, Mm -hmm. and Mikey Ambrose, right? Right. That's who we have available. Right. So I'm going to give... Caleb Wiley, the he's okay. Okay. Um, he's not poor. He's okay. McFadden, I think when we first start against Toronto, I'm going to say he was okay.
0: Okay. Now, before you go further than that, because those are the starters. Or those whatever. are the stars. They're okay. Yeah. So they're okay. Are there, is their strength defending or going forward?
1: Well, Caleb Wiley, obviously, uh, in going forward, McFadden, I don't know. I think it's a little too early, obviously, to say. I, I think- I'll
0: give you a hint. So McFadden was in college. It was an attacking midfielder who was one of the leading <laughs> attacking players in the yeah. country.
1: That I, that's fine, Did but know that. that's fine. But that also, in my mind, doesn't mean if the coach tells you to stay back and play mm. that he can't be an excellent. So or, was or,
0: Gutman, by the way.
1: Yeah. It, so it doesn't mean he can't be a very good disciplined yeah. defensive back. So I think time time will tell whether he can do that. If but I would argue
0: the strengths of our outside backs is much more in going forward than it is defending Wiley, McFadden. Even if you say ultimately they could be good defenders, they're young and inexperienced. Yeah,
1: even Gutman and Lennon, you could say their tendency is to either go forward or they're being told to go forward.
0: Okay, so we got a mediocre middle um, center backs. You went with mediocre outside backs. I might have been a little lower than that, a little bit on the poor side. They're so young. Um, If they're going to be rated, it would be – mediocre or decent going forward, weak defending. Okay. What about our two defensive midfielders or whatever? So Ibarra and Josetu.
1: Uh, Well, let me make sure I go to my notes here. And I think I've got them as okay. They're okay, which is mediocre, I guess, in your scale, right? So I've got poor, okay, good,
0: and excellent. Okay. So those guys are just okay. And then... And well,
1: I, I'm, I feel like I'm kind of being harsh on them. They're between okay and good. They they've both raised their game this year significantly, and okay. they've gotten a lot of minutes. and And I think continue to be moving up the scale of okay to good.
0: And again, as a group, would you argue they're better defensively or better offensively?
1: Jose Tu and Ibarra are more defensive minded. I mean, Jose Tu I think likes to be obviously a little further up the field, but Ibarra is a assassin tackler. I would
0: argue Josetu is a more of an attacking midfielder who's been forced to be more defensive. Avara yeah. is a natural defensive midfielder. Yeah.
1: But I think Josetu particularly is, has um, accepted that role and done well at okay. it with, with Mama in front of him.
0: So moderate defending, moderate attacking. Yep. Neither fantastic either way. Yeah. Okay. What about our attacking midfielder? So let's just say in this case, it's Moreno, Araujo, and Almada, yeah. we have them as. So I,
1: I've got Araujo excellent, Almada excellent, and Moreno
0: strong. Okay, I I would argue that I would also put Moreno as excellent. He's what yeah. much better, but okay, really really yeah, outstanding. Yeah, he's he's strong, but
1: I I'm also going with like I mean Moreno has his flaws. I he's he's one of my favorite players, so I'm also I gave him that rating because he's one of my personal favorites. Um, but I think there there are some fair criticisms with um, him giving up the ball or doing some things, particularly lately, um, that I think are, are relevant. But yeah, he's I think he's a fabulous player.
0: Okay, and then Martinez as the striker overall. Right now, I'm giving him like
1: I mean, look at the goals he's scoring lately. So he's strong mm. right he's strong right now.
0: Okay, maybe not 2018, but I still agree with you. He's still overall in the league an asset, a strength rather than a mediocre yeah. or a weakness. Now is his strength offensively or his strength defensively? Is that a trick question? No. Okay.
1: <laughs> I think we all know the answer. Yes,
0: that. I would agree. So he's he's good, really good offensively, but he's not the kind of guy who's gonna lead the yep. line defensively. Okay. So you just said to us that we have a moderate center back. Okay. Moderate center backs we have, you said we had moderate outside backs. That's I said that they were a little weaker. That's fair. And I said they were a little better going forward than they were defending. True. Okay, so maybe mediocre to poor somewhere in there. Um, our defensive midfield, our our, our our midfielder midfielders, Ibarra and um, Heinemann, which we didn't talk about, and Jose too.
1: Heinemann, I'd say, is okay with lots of upside. He's yeah, up so they're, but
0: I would all say so moderate and neither fantastic going forward nor fantastic defending but neither weak offensive yeah. nor bad they're kind of moderate overall and then the front really good outstanding super overall but also very offensive and maybe not so good def- as as good defensively 100%. Okay, so that's our that's our team. So I agree with you 100%. So our strength is four guys Mama, who can yeah. really, really go forward? We have a mediocre midfield at this point. We have a mediocre yeah. back line. It's diminishing from front to back. And the weakest part is probably the outside backs, although maybe their strength a little bit going forward and the yeah. weakest defending.
1: I, you know, I like even Wiley and and McFadden. Yeah, a, a little bit of youth there. Mm-hmm. Like I get it, right? Like I mean, it's very easy to say, like they're between poor and okay, right? Yep. Just because of their inexperience. But if you coach that correctly, I feel like we can make that a a little bit more of a strength and definitely hold it down as okay with maybe little moments of brilliance. So, And and prevent them from making the big mistakes by coaching them correctly to maybe not go with their tendency of pushing poor because we already have excellence up front. They don't need to be there. So what you need to do is coach those guys to stay back.
0: Okay, just get for a second. One second. Use their
1: athleticism.
0: <laughs> I want to say, okay, before we go forward, Carmen, would you agree with our assessment? Are there any things in particular that you disagree with?
2: Hmm. I don't disagree with you guys. I think in the back I think y'all are being nicer than I would. Okay, y'all moderate. I think I'd be a little. So you would less.
0: say poor in the center back as well. I'd probably be poor. Okay, with and Franco back. and then Campbell. Franco and Campbell. Yes,
1: both poor. Okay. Yeah. Right. Overall, poor. Overall, yeah.
0: Okay. Poor to moderate. I don't. I don't. I
1: agree. I don't think the listeners would disagree with you there. Nope. Nope.
0: Okay. I think that's all cool. right. So if you have a center back that's moderate to poor, you have outside backs that are poor maybe inching to moderate, but probably poor. You have a mid center of the park that's moderate and you have an attacking four. That's phenomenal, but particularly going forward. Okay. What's your system? What's the system to maximize that? What are you going to do?
1: Well, I like, like I said, you've got to play very disciplined in the back and uh, that means don't have a system where your fullbacks are going forward unnecessarily, right? We've talked about that. And play a style where you move it as quickly as possible up to <laughs> the talent that is up front.
0: So you so want the ball mostly with Mama, yeah, right. You don't <laughs> want the ball right. with our midfield so much. You don't really want the ball with our back yeah. four for sure.
1: Yeah. So exactly with with what you saw with the George Campbell play, right? Play disciplines. Use your moments correctly to step up, break up plays, and then bam, you just release the ball forward to an Araujo who just puts the team on their back heels and just watch it happen.
0: So I agree with you. So, and I think everybody out there would agree with you. That's our strength, right? And so you want to have the ball up the field with Mama on the ball as much as possible. So how do you do that? How do you get that?
1: Uh, You know, I mean, outside of what I was saying, which is, keep a lot of discipline with the back four or I don't know. I don't know if Dave, this is where you're going is do we go, but go back to five in the back, given our current situation to create a little bit more, more angles to do that. Or are you sticking with four in the back?
0: I'm not necessarily going anywhere in terms of um, formation or tactics. Um, What I would say is, or formation, I guess, I am going somewhere in terms of tactics, which is to say, so if you are going to win with those four, so does Mama, do they need help? Uh, Yeah, which is more talent behind them. (laughs) Well, no, which I mean, why, in terms is, of scoring goals, do you think that if you have those four players attacking on an island by themselves, do they really need help? No. I agree. And one of the things that's interesting, so the team that won, I reason, one of the reasons why I made you go through that painful exercise of 2018, yeah. the team that won the title, okay, they had only two players who you would ever call in. So the team that started the final, you would have – only two players that you would really call as attackers. Yeah. Martinez and an, Al Yeah, that's it. Right? Gressel wasn't really an attacker. Nogby certainly wasn't an attacker. Right? And yet that team scored over two, two and a half goals a game. Yeah. Okay? So that team with only two attackers, do they need help?
1: Well, they needed help from service.
0: Yes. And where did the service come from? From outside. Yeah. Was- so they had Garza, Escobar, and Gressel really getting forward, mm-hmm. right? And they were providing service. It wasn't just around and Martinez. If it was just those two guys, we don't have a lot of guys who could play forward. So they needed that help. Mm-hmm. Okay. And when those guys, when Garza and Escobar would go forward or when Gressel would yeah. go forward, we played with not one But two defensive midfielders. And on top of that, we had a third guy, Nogby, who was a real center of the park guy. So we played with three players who sat at home in the final. Remedy, Lorenowitz, and Nogby. Did any of those guys strike you as... Well, They was center back. But in terms of midfield, Remedy, Lorenowitz, and Nogby. Did any of those guys strike you as guys who were showing up inside the opponent's six? Negative. No. Right. So, okay. So we had a center that was sitting at home, right? We had outside backs that were going to create extra things. And we had the two dynamic players in Al and And Martinez.
1: Are you, are you getting that? That even Pineda can't get away from Tata's philosophy that is just kind of burnt into Atlanta United, which is our backs have to always be bombing up, which was a requirement back when we only had Martinez and, and Almaron, up front who had to have good service and that space was automatically open because you didn't have an Araújo Ujo or even call it Moreno and Almada. They were eating up that space.
0: That team had only one player who was gonna dribble by anybody, right And Almaron. Yeah. Almirón certainly yeah. was. with this team has three. Almada, Morena, uh, Araujo, all three who can dribble by players. Maybe even arguably Josetu can do it a little bit, right? So this team has three of those. So the three guys, so the... You need guys who are going to score. That team really had only one finisher, Martinez. This team only has one finisher, Martinez. Almiron scored goals, but he wasn't really a finisher. Yeah. Right? No more of a finisher, certainly. I mean, I would argue Araujo, Almada, and Moreno are all as good a finisher as Almiron. Right? They're going to score that kind of goals. Yeah. But that team only had one finisher, and they had outside backs that were designed to create the things for that finisher. This team already has it. They have Araujo, Almada, Moreno, right? So that team had to have somebody to go forward. Gressel, Escobar, Garza. They had three center backs sitting up back in the middle.
1: So I think you're getting to what I started things off with. Is our, if we're going to stick with four in the back, they need to be four in the back.
0: I think there is zero reason this team should be sending our outside backs forward. I mean not to say they can't occasionally go forward, yeah. but there is no need. Yeah.
1: I mean when when you know that you have an overlap as a as a right fullback and it's your time, it's your sure. time. It's sure. your time. It looks like a when, when that happens, you see acres of space like Well, there were like moments Russell. on
0: that 2018 team yeah. that Gressel was there and Escobar was further over, I right. when Gressel needed a little bit of help. Correct. But Gressel, you know, honestly, Gressel needed way more help than Araujo would need, right? Araujo yeah. was much more competent at going by someone that Gressel never really dribbled by anybody. He no. just played balls.
1: They designed it to where Gressel always had acres of space when it was laid out to him. Yeah. They, you know, Tata knew that they had to mark other people up, which allowed it to be released way wide and Russell whipped in the cross.
0: Now I have another significant thing. So we showed Toronto scored the goal. George Campbell gave up the ball, I think twice, right? And our goals in the last few games, right? Um, Not only the goal we scored in this game where Campbell stepped in one and at midfield, but the, the one I... Particularly, remember, was off the throw-in where we won it, and Martinez played to Araujo. But most of the goals are being scored, and this is not just us, by things where you win the ball in the middle of the field. Okay? Yeah. So if you look at the 2018 team, okay, were there players who could win the ball in the middle of the field? Yeah. I mean,
1: clearly. Uh, you know, uh, Remedy was great at that. Breaking plays up when he was playing really well. Uh, Nagby, obviously, was a master at winning it, spinning it, and then releasing
0: it. Right. And so you had three guys in the midfield at all times, none of whom ever really went super far forward. So when other teams were trying to play out of the back, they were facing a wall of three guys, right? Three guys who could really defend in the middle. Remedy, Lorenowitz, and Nagby can all defend in the middle. I would argue all three of those players, um, very strong defensively, Right, Their weakness probably going forward. The only one who says the strength defensively on this current side would be Ibarra yeah. and Sosa when he's available. Yeah,
1: so that's the thing, though. Like, There's no reason Sosa and Ibarra can't be doing that. And then you use George Campbell's strength, which is his size, to be kind of that classic sweeper to play even deeper and allow those guys to step up and win it in the midfield and then move it up quickly.
0: But my point is... That so that team had occasionally the outside back. The outside back didn't nearly bomb as forward as ours do. They were much more reserved. They did go forward a fair amount, but not quite as much as our team does. But they were forward a fair amount.
1: Guys have liked to bomb up the. Yeah, left side.
0: my point is they didn't usually bomb as much. Both of them together it was yeah. a little bit more balanced. But even if you say it's exactly the same, okay. So even if you say Garza bombing forward and Escobar bombing forward is the exactly same as Wiley and McFadden or Gutman and Lennon, whoever is playing, right? Then the difference being that team had three players sitting back in the center midfield who are all defending. This team has one Ibarra who's defending sometimes Hosetu or sometimes Heinemann, who's not nearly the defender as the other two they had on that team, right? So my question is, when, so if you want to keep Mama on the ball in their half, in their third, you want to give them opportunities where they don't have to break down players, right? How do you do it?
1: Well, I think you just said it, right?
0: So one of the things that you keep hearing from Pineda and you keep hearing from the commentators is he's been working on the press, right? Working on the press. And you notice in these games, all the goals, most of the goals come off of turnovers in the attacking third or in the middle of the park. Right? So you saw it on a throw in, we did get a press, we won it, we scored an an early goal. Right. But other than that, this team has no chance of pressing zero, because the moment the ball turns over, our two far outside backs are so far up the field that they're leaving guys behind them. We even have typically two or Ibara, one of those two, going back to cover in for right back. Sometimes to both to left and right back. So it most of the time it's just one of them, but that means that when we turn over the ball, right, the other teams in this league are facing. Abara, or Josetu if Abara's gone back, even a mediocre defender. Whereas the teams in 2018, we're facing Remedy, Lorenowitz, and Nagby. So which one of those is going to win the ball in the middle? Right. Right? So if you have a team that has mama, right? What you have to design is a system that, Everybody else's role is just to keep you up the field, to design it so you win the ball back somewhere in the middle of the field. Right. So how do you do it?
1: Well, like you said, you got your four in the back, the stay in the back. Yeah. You start playing Sosa or hopefully his magic injury or conflict with the coaching system, whatever the conspiracy is. Yeah. He gets in there. Plays the Nogby type of role that we know he can play Andor or Ibarra. You could call it interchangeable. So there we go. We got two of the three that you're talking about that we had in two, 2018. So who's the third? Josetu, a little bit more of a ticky-tacky player. He's not going to even be like a Lorenowitz. Who's going to be hard nose. Like that's not his style. So you either take Josetu out and you figure somebody else who's going to play that role of hard nose defensive mid-duty.
0: Is that Hyman? maybe well so one of the things i would say so if you end up with the three that they played in that system then you can't play all four mama right it just doesn't work mathematically right so this system if you're going to play all four mama so one possibility is you don't one possibility is you say look in mls three mama is enough and the fourth one coming off the bench is fine yeah just
1: change it up with the And
0: I would argue sometimes, particularly on the road, that that's not a bad
1: idea. I think you're on to something there as much as we all want to see. I think that creates a little bit more balance and even psychological competition amongst maybe a Moreno.
0: But even if you're going to have all four in Mama, then the two players that you play in the midfield outside of Mama right, their role has to be truly defensive. Right so Now, I would argue Pineda thinks they're doing that, right? So he's got Ibarra, Josetu, and he has reigned in Josetu. Josetu hasn't gone forward, right? Yeah. So they're, they're, they're trying There's to do that. There's not room, I mean. But here's the problem with the system. He's still sending Wiley and McFadden to try and help Araujo and Moreno and Almada. Are they helping them? No. Yeah. They're really not. And so my problem is you're sending them, you're taking, because of that, you're taking, not only did we go from three to two, you're taking one of them out of the center midfield to try to cover for that, right, or maybe not, and you have an outlet, right, all the time. And the question is, is that team ever going to win the ball up the field? And the answer is no. Yeah. Right, So, so one thing that you would do, as you just said, over and over, right, one thing immediately that you would do is if you don't send the outside backs forward at all, right? That would instantly mean that your two center midfielders could stay at home and could occasionally win the ball in the midfield. So that's what I was saying, is this a long way of getting to
1: what I said to begin with, which is the four in the back stay back? Well, yeah, so. but it's not but just I get that. What you're saying, right? yeah. like, it's not so, just that, it's it's the design of the philosophy of what you're getting. So
0: what I would say is you have to play three or four of the mama for sure. Right. And I, maybe even you alternate, you play four mama at home, you play three mama on the road, but then the other um, six on the field or the other seven, if you only play, whatever all their job is to do is to keep the ball up the field to Mama. Maybe occasionally go forward to keep someone honest. That's all they have to do. He's completely overthinking it, right? And actually not just not just him, the club, right? Yeah. Because if you look at our outside backs, right? Garza, Escobar, Gressel, Gutman, Lennon, right? Even Hernandez, Wiley, McFadden, how many of those would you say are better defensively than they are offensively? Yeah, there you go. How many? None. Maybe Hernandez, maybe one. Mm, Maybe. Maybe, but none. So (laughs) why is the club, when we have bought the four best attacking players almost in all of MLS, or four of the top 10 or 15, whatever it is, Right? Why in the world is the club not only buying outside backs that go yeah. forward, but having the twos, you know, the backups, Wiley, yeah. McFadden, being guys
1: who go forward? Yeah. And I, if I was going to pick one it'd be Gutman, who's the most defensive-minded?
0: He is the best. He actually, I think, can go forward and still defend. Yeah. He's terrific.
1: Yeah. So if I was going to pick one, that's like, oh yeah, he he can defend as a f- true fullback. But we we do not recruit fullbacks is your point like true fullbacks not only do we not recruit, but it's and, but in, and that's part of atlanta united wanting to be a world class no big major football brand right now does that period there's very few right like do we have have a lot of true fullbacks like it's just not the thing to do in football right now the almost every every even great fullback that i can think of on in the epl kind of has that forward-minded philosophy
0: yeah, but and, and my problem is that if you have um, the top attacking players, which so few teams do, you know, so in you know in, in Europe, you might have say Bayern Munich might have the best you know attacking four players, but in most leagues, no one team has the top four attacking players or whatever. Yeah, um, but, but
1: your your point is spot on. I mean, the club is not thinking through. The talent and where, you know, so who do you put that on?
0: I I, I put that on um, Bocanegra and Eels. Bocanegra, right? Right. I mean, those are the guys who are organizing the squad. And and what I would say, so Pineda has a problem right from the beginning, which is he doesn't have any fullbacks (laughs) even on the roster who are really designed to defend. Now, I could argue (laughs) we might even be better off with Mikey Ambrose. Because he's not a great player, but he is a guy who is so, will hardly go forward, right? right. And he could sit at the back. But the other thing is, all right, you know, we have. I'm going to disagree with you, though. (laughs) But, you know, you have other players. I'll take Wiley. Just Wiley.
1: That's just it, though. Pineda needs to tell them to stay home. You don't stay home. You don't start you'll be on the twos okay (laughs) that's my message to you caleb wiley you're awesome you'll be able to go forward more in your future part of your career but right now look who's ahead of you stay home
0: so if you look historically across all the leagues including mls in the current era the number of goals that are started from a build-up out of the back is minuscule right almost all goals are started from balls that are one midfield or above and the ones that are started in the back are almost all started on counterattacks okay so we got two problems we have two major problems because the two ways that you can score goals you have to get good players in situations where the defense is in a little flux where they're not really set okay and we have two problems One problem is we don't win any balls in midfield, right? We don't win any of the balls up the midfield, right? Occasionally we do. And when we do, we almost always score, (laughs) right? Uh, We get great chances because if you give the ball, as you showed to Martinez, he makes one pass to Araujo and he puts it in the back of the net. It happens so rarely. The other problem that we have is we don't get counterattacks,
1: period, because – Because we have how many players in the box during corner kicks? Yeah,
0: well, (laughs) not just that, but but we have nobody sitting back in the midfield. We have nobody matching up out of the back. So even when Wiley and McFadden or Lennon and Gutman are back, they're pinched in. They're not trying to match up and win the ball to go forward. They're like panicked coming in to try to crowd the space. And when you do that... So what that does is it says, all right, we don't trust anybody through the middle. We think that you can run right through the middle. So we bring in the guy over to help and we're going to give you that outlet. Again, if we give you that outlet on the outside, then there is no way that you're getting counterattacks because the counterattacks come when they try, you get a little pressure. They try to force that ball. The outside back steps up and intercepts that and you go. All
1: right, Dave. Point. Point point taken so now my question to you is and i think i know the answer already do you think panetta is going to make any sort of tactical changes you're talking about that go in that direction
0: well so i'm going to answer that question but before i answer that question so would you say that it can be solved only tactically or does it have to be solved through transfers do, does Pineda even have the squad to do it?
1: I think he's got the squad to do it, yes.
0: So you think if you asked uh, Wiley and McFadden, who are the current outside backs, yeah. to stay at home, they could do it enough?
1: And this new guy, Juan Parata, yeah. um, from Tigres, I assume he and, he's going to sort Franco out in the center. Two stable center backs? Yes. I think we could with Mama up front. Okay. A- and assuming Sosa... And that assumes Sosa's um, starting.
0: Yeah. I <laughs> so if you have Sosa, right? So one thing you would say is, oh, people want Jose, too, because it's another attacking player. And I'm like, hell no. Right? We don't need another attacking player. So if Sosa's healthy, Sosa and Abar are the two best defenders in the midfield. They should play together.
1: And, and you know why I say that? Because I agree, right? You could say that McFadden and Wiley are poor because of being young, not having a lot of starts. The one advantage those guys have is they're young and can run for days, so they they shouldn't get beaten around the corners, right? W- isn't that pretty fair? Fair. Right? Right? There's
0: nobody's going to beat them for pace.
1: Nobody's going to beat them for, for pace, sure. right? So now you got two center backs, right? Who are veterans, Franco and this guy Parata. Um, I'm maybe I'm pronouncing his name wrong from Tigres, but yep. a, a seasoned vet from all, all accounts that I saw on the Wikipedia. Um, I'm expecting him to sure things up in the center. You got Sosa in the center who's, you know, picking anything off, reading the game. Ibarra, hard nose right in front of him or to the side, uh, playing, you know. To me, that's it. That's it.
0: But you can make an argument, actually, that McFadden, who doesn't have a ton of defensive experience, or even Wiley, you might even make an – here's an extreme – but let's say you are committed to your six being like, look, we've got to defend and we've got to de- win the ball up the field at some level. So, and we don't give a F about anything going forward. We just, our job is to get the ball, give it to Marino, get the ball, give it to Amado, right? Let them do their thing, right? You might make an argument that with all the injuries that our best back four are Campbell, uh, the new guy, I can't remember how to pronounce his name, Parada. Parada. Yeah. Franco, right, and Dijon. Yeah. Four guys who are real defenders, and you say, all right, four across the back, we're going to get up, match up with you, and we're not going to make anything easy. And those guys, you know, with help and with not having to go forward are fine. so,
1: So who are the four in the back end? You're throwing Dijon back in the back line?
0: Yeah. Dijon could be the outside right back. I would have said Dijon instead of McFadden.
1: Okay, I'm okay with that b- b- because the only problem is he's going to get beat around the corner, Alex DeJean.
0: But if he gets beat around the corner and he constantly always has the fourth guy who's available, you, you know, you only get beat, beat around the corner when you're pinched in and scrambling and you got to get out there. If you're already on the guy, you're not going to get beat around but the
1: corner. I, that's my point. You already have a little more veteran savvy in the center. Why not just play the youth on the outside because that's what you need.
0: You could. I think you could try that. But my point being that you have a six or sometimes even maybe on the road a seven, and your job is to just... I mean, you're going to
1: have to play Alex Dijon given minutes and rotation and all that. So that's a given. So that's going to have to be a part of the team-v-team matchup that Pineda is going to have to make.
0: And I would argue on the road occasionally, particularly against good opponents like we're going into New York FC, you would probably want a Barra, Sosa... And Heinemann or N Josetu, three guys defending in the middle. And what does that look like? Our 2018 winning side, Mikey Dobbs, where we played three defensive midfielders, and then we had attackers in the front. Now, we don't have the outside backs, but you don't need it because even in that okay. case, you've got three mama.
1: So are we, are we going that direction, Dave? Is Pineda going no. that direction?
0: <laughs> so back to no. my question,
1: no. So that being the case, is our season a total wash at this point? Yes, Okay. <laughs> it's a sad truth. I, I agree. And that's
2: the podcast, leaf. That is the podcast <laughs>
1: because it's called the definition of insanity. Well, we'll
0: see. You know, maybe Pineda will, will surprise us. You know, again, Pineda's young. It's his first head coaching job, right? And, you know, he may be having the same assessment, God bless him, I hope he is, you know, with his coaches. And, and honestly, if you're having this same assessment, you say to your team, right, we have built... A system that's unnecessary we have built we're playing our 2018 tata tactics but that team only had almarone and martinez this team has four of those guys so this team don't need it the four guys you'd much rather have araujo and almada or araujo and moreno in it so you already got almada and martinez that team had uh miggy and martinez they're similar right that, you would much rather have Araujo and Moreno as the two guys forward, which replaces the Escobar and Garza from that team. they still a much better four going forward, right? And then you can sit on everybody but back.
1: So, Dave, I hope to post this on YouTube tomorrow, right? And so I'll try to break this up in clips. But maybe I could, you know, title this video, like, "Freaking." Cont- consultancy for Gonzalo <laughs> Pineda, right? Cause a lot of times at this point in the season, they might bring in a third party consultant just to make him think outside of the box. Okay. Here it is for free. Yeah. <laughs> We've got, we got Dave Katz breaking it down for Pineda and it's at least one perspective that he should consider. I
0: just think you have to, you have to start with, maximizing your strengths and minimizing your weaknesses. Right now, our weaknesses are back four. So it has to be minimized by those people sitting at home. It has to have protection in a defensive midfielder or two defensive midfielders or three defensive midfielders. And to maximize the offense, we don't need those guys. Because so many times, if you look at the Toronto game, I don't know how many times Moreno sent a 40, 50-yard ball beautifully Way out wide, switched the field to McFadden. There's two problems. McFadden was already up there standing, so it was not dynamic. So he had to receive the ball, right? And he wasn't running by someone. He had to receive the ball, right? Or Wiley had to get the ball and receive the ball. And then they were faced with, okay, from a standstill, are those guys, even while there's a switch and the defense was scrambling, are they going to now go by people? None of them even tried. McFadden didn't try. Maybe Wiley occasionally tries to do it, but McFadden certainly didn't. So if that switch, right, if they were at home yeah. and that You're switch switching it goes to, to, Araujo. to Araujo, game on. Game on. And that's what yeah. you saw from the goal. We finally... So, and not only that, we now have so many times right. when we win and, the ball. And that's exactly it. So, if we'd have done what
1: you're suggesting, Cisneros wouldn't have been on the field. You run with the three, which is Moreno, Martinez, and Araujo up front. Yeah. Right? And then Araujo is naturally out wide where that ball would have been crossed by Moreno, with, I guess. That I
0: point. would have played with those three up top. I would have... Um, because Ahmad is not available, I would have said three center midfielders, Hyman, Hozetu, and Ibarra, all three together. I would have kept the outside backs all the way back. Toronto can't score against anybody. They would never have scored two goals. Araujo, when he scored that goal, did he need any help? No. No, the only thing he needed was us to win the ball at midfield and give him a one-on-one. And so why, why all would... we had to do was win the ball at midfield. Yeah. And, and easy
1: to do against a 34-year-old Michael Bradley, who we should have been putting on his ass <laughs> with a, somebody like a bar. Be like, you, like, somebody who's dirty and get in there and make Michael Bradley wish he should retire. That should have been the philosophy. And we didn't even do that in that game. We let, we let Michael Bradley use his strengths against us in that so game. So
0: many times we let the other team get so far up the field because of our offensive tactics. So when we win the ball, even when we don't give the ball away, like Campbell does, and that gives up goals, even when we don't give the ball away, we end up two passes or three passes until we get Moreno and Araujo on the ball. By the time we do that, their defense is set and they're going one against two, right? I mean, how many times everybody complains Moreno dribbles too much. He goes one V two. Well, That's not his fault. That's the tactics fault. If you can set up a system that wins the ball at midfield and gives him one on one, he will win that battle every single time. And so all you have to do is set up a system that wins the ball further up the field and gives it to them one V one. So Dave, we've talked
1: about that and it all. What else you got? What are we, what are we into the podcast here? Uh, Carmen, like an hour plus, right? Yeah, definitely. The hour half. Yeah, so <laughs> that's surprising
0: because that's all we wanted to do was was assess sort of the current things. Yeah. But but I I think it's important to do that.
1: Yeah. No, I think this is a good midway check-in. Unfortunately, I'm not optimistic that the tactics will change, which I think is the most important thing. I think the players are relatively set with what we have because of the nature of MLS. I think we've got a center back that's coming in. We might get one more signing apparently.
0: Yeah. There's a rumor of the Tam and Gam international who's supposed to be like an under 22 international. And it could be, you
1: you would assume, right. That'll be like a right back. I don't know. Given the Lennon thing, they might pivot.
0: God bless us. If that player can attack at all. And I'm sure they can, they're going to, Hire, they're going to sign some guy again who's up and coming who can attack and whatever. And we need someone, we need another Sosa. Yeah, I agree.
1: So there we have it. Um, And again, uh, this roster, as we've discussed, at minimum, it would be a disaster. And I've been saying this since the beginning of the year, given the roster that we talked about. If we don't make the top seven at the end of this year, what does that say for Pineda?
0: But I think it's also flawed in terms of. Why in the world is the roster going back to? Doesn't Boca and matter Morgan though. Eagles?
1: I think we agree like that he's got, he's got the roster though to get us in the top seven e- sure. easily, even, sure. even, even with all the injuries. Even with all the injuries, I think
0: it's just an excuse to say there's so many injuries or whatever because, the, by and large, we have been able to field a decent back four, a decent midfield, and still one of the top attacking things in the league. Yeah. And when you do that, your system. That attacking system is actually, honestly, better than the 2018. And and that team scored 2.3 goals a game. This team is scoring under a goal a game. And I'm assuming
1: this new goalkeeper that we signed, who's a Mexican international, is going to be the starter, right?
0: Yeah, it's funny. There was a funny. I, don't, you, I mean, he's he's you don't Guadalajara, get Guadalajara three three years, <laughs> yeah. lo, like
1: lots of starts, right?
0: You don't get value sports, but um, the two commentators, um, uh, Egan Kevin Egan and uh, Mo Mo uh, See, Mo uh, Adams, Adams. Yeah. no, not Mo yeah, Adams, uh, yeah. Ma- Maurice Adu, yeah, were yeah. arguing about it, and he was and uh, Kevin Egan was all, you know, he's so player-oriented. He was yeah. like, Novo has been awesome, and he's great, and he deserves the other guy. And he's like, what do you think it do? And he's like, nope. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's like, he is going right to the bench. And he's like, what do you mean? He's done so well or whatever. And he's like, one guy is 6'5", and the other is five foot ten, Correct. <laughs> and uh, it, it, and, it, and the, this guy from Mexico, he's not legit. only did he play just for C- Chivas uh, <laughs> in Guadalajara, yeah. but he has Champions League experience. He was in Europe prior yeah. to that, and he yeah. started Champions League matches. So right. so, uh, so I think we've
1: made our – He's the starter. So so that's why I'm saying do we need – Sorry, Nova. As far as your earlier questions, I think the roster we have, and I was including the new goalkeeper and yeah. our, our new center back is a part of that equation. Yeah. I think Pineda's got the team to turn it around. I, at this point, don't think he's going to do it because – there has to be that state home attitude in the back, given our weakness as a talent, as a experienced side in the back, particularly when it comes to the fullbacks.
0: I think Pineda, you know, as we talked about a little bit, it's the latest tactics. I think he says, look, it worked for Tata. That's a great tactic system. But the problem is this team is not the same as that team, right? And, you know, Tata had it right, which was balance, and Pineda, I think, hasn't recognized the team he has and designed the system for the team he needs to to have.
1: Well, there we go, Dave. I think we've said it. Yep, we've got a game coming up against uh, the Red Bulls. Correct, Thursday night. Thursday night, eight PM. Everybody, tune in. It's
0: on ESPN Plus. I hope I we're wrong.
1: <laughs> we hope we're wrong because we want to talk we'll about winning
0: crow it's... I have a bottle of wine from my vineyard oh. that says if we make the playoffs we're drinking it Ooh. are we drinking it if we don't make the playoffs <laughs> Mickey right I'd we like are. to drink it anyway. s-
1: speaking of celebrating Dave do you know how many podcasts we've done as of tonight no how many this is our 50th podcast oh
0: my goodness
1: did you ever think we'd reach 50 50? happy 50th yeah happy 50th <laughs> no no, yeah, I well, that's so. well done. Well yeah, done. Exactly.
0: Carmen, that note.
1: thanks for keeping the light on. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and, we, you know, if we had had Carmen the whole time, hmm. much easier. Yeah. Much better squad. All right,
1: everybody. <laughs> Thank you for listening. We're out.